I grew up in a very competitive household. I had three brothers where we beat each other up every day, and we loved each other every day. We would give each other Charlie horses. We would throw each other, and this actually led to us being kind of aggressive individuals, and this actually led us to be athletes in high school, and we all did one sport called wrestling. We were all wrestlers. We were all aggressive individuals. Uh, wrestling taught me a lot about how to discipline the mind, how to discipline the body, and also how to maintain your weight. And I was hanging out with friends that, that were very competitive. They were so passionate about winning. Every high school had an individual at a weight class. And just think about all the high schools in the Valley. You had to beat all of them. You see that? And so it drove a lot of us to be competitive individuals in our weight classes. I was in a room with 30 individuals from the Valley, and we each looked at each other, and it was, all right, who's going to be the best? Who's going to advance to regionals? Who's going to go to state? And I even had friends that were so determined that they were dehydrated half of the week. They had foam in their mouth, which was Really interesting, but they were so competitive, they were trying to cut weight so bad, and they wanted to win. I even had a friend that won a state championship, and I don't recommend this, but he, he wanted it bad enough. And so how many of us know that this same fight is needed in a growing relationship with God, right? We, we have to be fighting for this relationship with Jesus, and it's exciting to see that you can learn how to, to understand this by coming to small group and walking with Jesus and, and having a growing relationship with the Lord. How This can be accomplished. Closeness with Jesus is what I'm trying to say. It can be accomplished. Jesus shows us a map, a route to him, and we're going to go to Matthew 5, right on, to the Beatitudes. Actually, before we do that, let's go back. Um, I'm going to show a photo of, all right, guys, so it's been a long time since I was in high school, all right? So, and you guys might even, th this is a photo of me and my brother. We were competing in tournaments, and we, we dominated the valley, and this, you look at me now, and you'll, you, you really, I gained like 100 pounds, and what's up, Aaron? <laughs> all right, go for it. Put the photo up. Yes. So my brother is this tall individual, and the guy on the right is me. Yes. That is me in high school. Yeah. It looks nothing like me. But me and my brother, me, my brother right now, he walks with the Lord too, and he, he's a follower of Jesus. He's involved in Chi Alpha at UTSA, and he's a man of God. He's wonderful to be around with. And let's go back to Scripture. We're going to go to Matthew 5, right? Verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated with his Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the, poor, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you today, Lord, just asking for your Holy Spirit power, that we would just have a clear understanding of your heart, Lord, that we would be changed and moved towards you, Jesus, that we would just be close to you, Lord. We would understand this closeness and this intimacy with you, Lord. God, we pray for tonight and that lives would be changed, Lord, because of what you have to say today, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, and in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, so you can go to the next slide, or the, the gate. And so, speaking of Borom, Borom has a dream. And in this dream, it's a city that he's walking up to, and this city has eight gates. I'm telling you guys, his thought life was incredible, and his dreams were incredible. And in this process, he sees this city, and it's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful city. It's filled with joy. There's golden streets. There's graceful gardens, silver streams. It's filled with laughter. It's filled with music, with love. It's filled with helpfulness, unbroken tranquility. Um, and it's with deep content he sees. And you know what Borm sees? He sees people in this city. He sees people enjoying being in this city, and the city's called the city of blessedness, right? And in this city, there are eight gates. And so how do you get into the city? There's people filing out in each gate trying to get in the city, and Borum is curious, and he walks up to one of these gates. And it's, it's, it's kind of interesting why there's eight gates. On each gate, there's a title, and in this gate, he, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes to the next gate, and he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it, and it says that when Borm was standing there at the gate of the mournful, it was these individuals that mourned. As they walked in, they were comforted. And they were in the city of blessedness. And another interesting fact is he was also seeing individuals be turned away. And that's where it gets interesting but he's curious, like, why aren't people going there? And then he notices that there is one gate that stands larger than any other gates, and it's three times as wide, three times as tall, and he tries to read the description, and he can't. And y'all know what the, y'all want to know what the beatitude is? We'll find out later. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be, it'll be really good when we get to it, and I'm going to start with a little story, and when I was a young boy, uh, I lost my mother in a grocery store. I was running through aisle and aisle, tugging on mother after mother, with tears going down my face. And there was nothing but individuals that I, I didn't even want to be near. And I would tug and I would look and I was like, you're not my real mom. Like, you're not my real mom. And coming tears going down my face. At, I remember it was at Walmart. And... This led to me running out and being around the freezer section, and there behold my eyes was my beautiful mother talking to a Walmart manager looking for me. And it was cool because I ran to my mom with tears in my eyes, and it looked like her, and I was just confident it was her. And as I embraced her and hugged her, I knew it was my mom. I knew this is my real mom. And this, this is something the Lord has been speaking to me about, about understanding, like, this realness 
Like, have we experienced the real Jesus when we know who he is and when we're in his presence, do we know that it's the real Christ? Have we experienced the real Christ as individuals? And she obviously beat me when I got home because I'm Mexican. And so that's how it goes down. I'm always wrong. And my mother was a very Latina woman, and she was very vocal. And, yeah. <laughs> yes, I was, I was, they called me El Llorón. And that was, that was me. Uh, and my nickname is Lalo. Lalo, yes. Lalito is what some call me. Um, yeah. How do you know you have the real thing? The real Jesus. Have you experienced the king of the universe for yourself? Where you can tell that he's true and that when you see other things that aren't him, you know that's not true. That's false. Right? We're going to find out if we've experienced the real thing, all right? And so, if you walked into the city of blessedness, would you be turned away? That's something to think about. Jesus shows us the way in the Sermon on the Mount. This is where he preached the Beatitudes. He preached a sermon. It happened to be on a mount. And this is where we get to see the Lord showing us an avenue on what his disciples will look like and an avenue to get to him in eternity. Where am I at? Yes, this gate. And so I got a couple questions that are rhetorical, but they're meant to really impact you and really think about them. And, and we're going to go through the Beatitudes really quickly. And, and my first one is, have you been poor in spirit for your family's salvation? Have you mourned for your campus? Jesus mourned for his Jerusalem. Have you mourned for your Jerusalem? You know, if you think about the RGV, think about the, have you mourned that the RGV would come to know Christ? That the world would be reached through the Rio Grande Valley? Have we mourned? You know, are you meek? Have you loosened the ropes to your life and give them, given them to a king worthy? Or are you still the king of your life? I don't mean to be harsh, but I'm trying to get to the real thing, right? And so, have you been merciful or pure in heart? Have you been a peacemaker in the name of Jesus? Have you been reviled? Have you been persecuted for righteousness' sake? Do you know what Jesus says if you've experienced these? He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. He says, rejoice, rejoice that you get to experience these things. The world doesn't want you to experience those things. But Jesus says, if you, if, you, if you do, you will, the Lord will comfort you. You will be called sons of God, you know. In order to find out if we have the real thing, we mustn't study what's false, but we must study what is true is what we said earlier, right? If we continue to study what the life of Jesus and his presence, if we constantly have a yearning to be in the presence of God, the moment you aren't in his presence, you should be, freaking out like what's going on with my life right that's you you have been so submerged in it and so a good way to understand the presence of God and to be with Jesus is is really we see the the, the surrendered life of Christ Jesus being surrendered Jesus chose a life of surrender he was surrendered to the will of the father and that's my point tonight my only point but we're going to go really in depth with it and we're going to talk about this attitude and this heart that is surrendered to God. Imagine being the most innocent person on earth, entering a city on a donkey, right? 
There's a donkey right there. While men and women laid down palms, shouting, Hosanna. Knowing full well that in that city in three days, you would be tortured and crucified. You see the surrender that Jesus had? I don't think we can grasp this level of surrender. We can, we can amount to it, but man, Jesus was in communion with the Father, and he was of the Father's business. So many of us, you know, can even say that, there, that, that there's a question that beckons us. How can I, a college student, be surrendered today in this life? And I think it's really good to look at the posture of your heart and to examine it very thoroughly and to see, Lord, have, like, it's healthy to, Lord, do I know you? Have I experienced you? And this is the beauty, this is the beauty of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has paved the way for us to seek him and find him. And this is why the Beatitudes are so beautiful because we get to really ask ourselves, have we mourned? I've learned that, I've learned how to be patient walking with Jesus. I've learned how to learn a lot of things from him because of just seeing and seeking the Lord. And the Beatitudes have shown me how to be pure in heart and how to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to talk about a friend that some of you may know. And right on. You can put the photo of, of him. Right on. All right, this is my friend, Poncho. He is my best friend. He is wonderful. He is just a man of God. He, he lives in Midland right now. He's in the oil rigs now. And he was in our Chi Alpha for a few years, and he was a leader. He was at Booth. He went through LTC. He, he's just incredible. I love him. But this is a picture of us at, in Matamoros. We were building churches together, and we were taking a break on our phones, and, and we were building the struts of buildings of churches that, that were getting ready to be planted, and it was just a wonderful experience. And you see us smiling, and you see us like having joyous smiles, but we didn't start like that. We didn't start like that. Actually, I really didn't like this guy at first. We, we had nothing in common. He was a band geek who played the tuba. And I didn't like band, so we didn't get along very well. But we both got plugged into a small group, and we both started hungering and seeking the Lord. And we had this common thing together, and that's what drove us to be closer and closer together. We've been friends for 13 years now. I'm 27 years old, and in, a, in two years, I'll be, I'll know, I'll be friends with Boncho for almost, ha for literally half my life. And from being a guy who, who I didn't like, 10 years later, he was the best man at my wedding. And it's because we had this surrendered life to Jesus, and this is what drove us to be closer. And the thing that, that really showed us how to be close to Jesus was time. Literally time. Time with Jesus will show a surrendered life. If you were to spend time with Jesus every day, my friend Jaywan gave me this cool, I, cool consensus that he found that if you spend time with Jesus at least four times a week, your walk with God will grow exponentially. Your, the convictions in your life will show passionately if you were to spend four times a week with Jesus, right? And some of us right now can look at our screen times and be like, ooh, like, oh, that's discouraging, like, ooh. But 
After 10 years of friendship, I can say that I know this individual. Actually, 13 years of friendship, I, I can actually say I know this individual. And think about the years that I'm going to spend time with Jesus and how much more I will know him throughout the decades. How much more will I know his presence and who he is and simply knowing the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you that to pick up a schedule with Christ. Time will tell and you'll grow closer to the Lord and you will have a surrendered heart. And so it takes time, literal time. It's not rocket science, as Jim Bradford says. Um, do you seek the Lord? This desire is not passive, right? It's not a passive thing. It's a, it's a fervent seeking. It's constantly seeking and seeking and seeking. It's having a hunger for Jesus. It's having a, a desire for Jesus. It's, it's something that doesn't really change. And you guys can write this down, but it's Proverbs 8.35. And I have a slide here. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. This is why I love small groups because we get to ask incredible questions. And I encourage you to find some questions throughout the week and bring them to small group. And these are the kind of questions that are actually going to lead to more thoughts and to more habits and to more ideas and to more time with Christ. And this will actually continuously lead you and, and, and lead to a surrendered life. And so we're going to go back to the gate of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. That is the giant gate. It is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. And so a lot of individuals Borum was seeing being turned away. Well, you know what they were doing? They were going to each gate trying to find a way into the city of blessedness. And they ended up going to the biggest gate because, no, they weren't as poor in spirit as they should have been, but they desired to be poor in spirit. You know, they weren't as mournful as they should have been, but they wanted to be mournful. There was a desire. And so when they got to this gate that was large and there was immense traffic entering into the city, Borm is seeing these individuals enter because they had a desire and a longing, right? It says here, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. Right? They shall be filled. And there was a longing that pushed them towards that. Do you know that God wants a perfect bride? Right? There should be a longing and a desire for you. If you're curious about God, if this is one of your first times in Chi Alpha, and you're wondering about Jesus, you know where you can start? With hunger and thirsting after him, right? To being in the presence of God. And honestly, a lot of the things and a lot of the questions you have will eventually be answered, and there will be mourning, you know, there will be poor in spirit, all these things, these avenues to Jesus. And it's beautiful that if you, if you focus on this one, the, these, these, other, these other beatitudes will eventually follow. And so, how do we focus on longing? We said longing earlier, does your soul long for Jesus? Does your soul long to be with Christ? Is it, is it a... Is your heart hungering after Christ for his sake? The world in this university and in, in the real Grand Valley, I desperately, passionately care that, that I see people from the valley come to know Christ. That no matter where I go, no matter what I do, the Lord is always going to lead me to try to find people and introduce the gospel to them. And that's what Jesus calls all of us to do. And in order to be prepared for that, we must be 
a, a disciple maker. We must, we must be in the presence of God with the Holy Spirit. And in order to accomplish that, right, we have to have this seeking of the Lord, seeking of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about the difference between having an appetite for Jesus or having a longing for Jesus. And so an appetite is something that you crave momentarily. It's something that you feel and you're like, all right, I have it. I came to Thursday night. All right, I'm good. And then, all right, I'll come next Thursday. But longing is something that you look forward to. You're like, I can't wait to be at Thursday night. I can't wait to go to Sunday morning. I can't wait to be in the presence of God. And this is, these, are, these are what disciples of Jesus look like, people that long after him. And time, time does that. Time with Jesus builds your intimacy and your love for Jesus, and it continuously shows your growth towards him. And when, you ha- when you're in this position where you have an appetite and it's just a temporary fix, um, it's healthy to look at yourself and say, all right, Lord, how can I, how can I have a longing heart for you? And... Is this something, and, and, and it's a desire for, I want my soul to know you, Jesus, right? I want, my, I want to be in communion with, me, with you. The word blessed in the Beatitudes signifies a deep, joyful contentment. And so I'm excited to, to really see the, the individuals that will come to know Christ and experience this blessedness, this attitude of, Seeking after the Father, being in a relationship with Jesus, a growing relationship with Christ. The city of blessedness is a beautiful story because it reminds me and actually shows me of what eternity is like. You see, we talked about how joy was in this city. We talked about the, the beauty and what was happening of the, of the souls that were inside this city. I think about eternity. I think about home. And I think about what, what heaven is going to be like. And I think about what it means to walk with Christ. And, and heaven is beautiful because Jesus is in heaven, right? Yeah, heaven is beautiful. And, you know, uh, some people say that if, and this is a funny story, but if, if, if Jesus left heaven and went to hell, I think hell would be the new heaven. Because his presence is where we want to be. He's the person that we want to be close to. When I get to heaven, the first person I'm running to is Christ, right? He's the first person that I'm going to talk to, and I have probably a thousand questions about my life and what he did in creation and how many times he did this and how many times, what, Lord, Lord what, what, what were your thoughts, Holy Spirit? And that's the longing that, we, that I have for when I enter this city of blessedness. And it's an attitude. And so to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to possess an active spiritual longing. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when can I go and meet with God? And so does your heart yearn to be in right standing with God? And so when I first read that beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I didn't understand it that very well. I, I kind of understood what righteousness was. But as I studied this years ago, I started to realize that there was, a, there was a change in my life and my walk with God where suddenly when I sinned or I was in a position of sin, there was something that was happening in my heart. It was like churning. It was like churning and turning, and it was, it was like, Lord, I've wronged you, right? There's something in here that was, that was wanting to be in right standing with God. And that's what, when I read this, par- when I read this beatitude, I said, oh, my gosh, 
I'm experiencing this myself. I'm hungering and thirsting for being righteous in the name of Jesus. And that will happen to your walk with God if you spend time with him. And it's beautiful because you, you fill your life so much with Jesus that you, you, you know that anything that isn't of him, you're like, what am I doing? You know? It's beautiful that we have so many avenues and routes to, and promises, right? The Beatitudes are also promises. You know, if you've mourned, and I know that some of you here have mourned, the Lord says, you shall be comforted. You will be comforted. And it's beautiful because we get to be in right standing with God and walk with him. And just like how I've walked with for seven, eight years here in the Rio Grande Valley with my best friend, it's the same way I view God. I get to walk with Jesus at UTRGV. And when, when I get up, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And when I go to bed, I say, good night, Holy Spirit. Like there is a relationship there that didn't just start from thin air. It took literal time. And I'm excited for the years to come, right? Some of us are. You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Could be paraphrased as deeply joyful and spiritually whole are those who actively seek right relationship with God. And in so doing, discover that he alone can completely save and satisfy their soul. And so... We have a longing to know God. We have a desire that in us, we, our souls need to be satisfied. And Jesus offers a route. He offers a way. He tells us, come to me. Come to me. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. Enter the city of blessedness. He offers it to you. And it takes time. And we get to, we get to walk with him in this process. And it's beautiful because I look back at my walk with God and when I got baptized, it was November 2nd, 2014. It was a beautiful day. I was actually at, here in Edinburgh. I got baptized, and it, it's a day I'll never forget. It's when my walk with God began. It was when I started to take the Lord seriously. I declared to the world, Lord, I'm going to hunger for you and thirst for you and let the world know that you are who is to be served. And it's just incredible. The Lord has done a, a lot of things in my life, and and he's shown me just what it means to walk with him and what it means to be in tranquility with him and peace with him. And he promises all of these things. Does that necessarily mean that your life will be easy and calm? Actually, walking with God will actually make your life very difficult, <laughs> you know. And some of us can agree, and we've been in tough situations. But, man, isn't it beautiful that he's there with you, right? He's there with you. And when you've experienced the presence of God, man, it's something so beautiful that you don't want to leave it. You don't want to walk away from it. And suddenly sin and suddenly these things that get in the way from, that separate you from God, you look at them and you say, hither from me. Because I wouldn't want to go a day without the presence of Jesus. He's that precious. He's that wonderful. He's that beautiful. And that's the promise that we get from God is that we get to spend eternity with him. You get to walk in the city of blessedness. You get to experience this. You have this viewpoint from Borom looking from the outside, but yet you also can be viewed as the person inside, enjoying eternity. And Jesus promises us this. And it's beautiful because we get to, we get to also invite others, right? 
there's people around you that you can that can experience the same blessedness that you've experienced. And maybe you're chasing something. Maybe you're chasing something, right? Maybe you have a grip on something that might be real. You know, there's a lot of people that chase the the uh, what looks like blessedness but really is happiness. You see happiness is based on chance. It's based on outcome. It's based on whatever comes your way. And it defines your character, defines what you're going through. But being blessed is an attitude. It's a heart. It's being identified with Christ. Right? And, you know, when things hit, hit the rocks and it gets rough, you know, you, you, suddenly, you suddenly feel the presence of God and you're comforted. You're like, Lord, this is a tough situation, but Lord, I know you're with me. Right? You're not, you're not far from me. And this is what we get to experience in this walk with God. It is a promise that we wish for all students on this university to know and to experience. There are 22,000 students on this campus, and wouldn't it be beautiful if all of them experience this beautiful blessedness to know Jesus, to walk with him in communion? And, you know, what I'm trying to say tonight, guys, is, is to know God, we must first hunger and thirst. Simple as that, guys. The band can come back. And the Beatitudes have been something that I've been diving in very deeply. Um, Borum has been one of my biggest influences in, the, in this book. He's got a book called The Heavenly Octave. And he dives deeply into each Beatitude. And he constantly is showing these methods in which we get to see Jesus. We get to reach the Lord. And this route and this map and this avenue in which he shows the world the, the Sermon on the Mount was so impactful, it changed generational generations of people. It changed cultures. And this is the same message we preach to the world. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Y'all doing okay tonight? Yeah? <laughs> Sorry, I can talk. Um, yeah, I'm grateful to be here tonight. The Lord has been good to my life, and he's shown me so many mercies. I've been walking with him for the past 10 years, and every promise in the Beatitudes has been true to my life. He's comforted me. He's shown me. He's, he's promised me that I will be called a son, a son of God. The Lord says, rejoice, rejoice, and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. Rejoice.